the cup and the leaf all to be won. Everyone knows there's a job to be done. And with a team so fine, I'm proud they're mine. We'll be singing the song. Family Athletic Former Players Association podcast is sponsored by Starna Apparel. Affordable and stylish clothing born on the terraces. Just head to www.starnutapparel.co.uk Welcome to another episode of Walking Down the Holbeath Road, the podcast brought to you by the Dunfermline Athletic Former Players Association. We're not just strolling down any road, we're walking down the iconic Holbeath Road, pathway filled with memories triumphs and the echoes of legendary players who've left their mark on the rich history of Dunfermline Athletic Football Club. I'm your host Mikey Mokkiewicz and on this latest episode we speak to former player Alex Totten, a full-back who spent four years at the club during the halcyon days of the 1960s. Signed by Willie Cunningham in 1965, Alex enjoyed many European trips and played his part in the 1968 Scottish Cup run. In this episode, we hear all about those highs, plus his early career at Liverpool, learning from one of the greatest managers seen in the British game, Bill Shankly. So lace up your virtual boots, grab your scarf, and join us as we catch up with Alex Totten. Alex, thanks for joining us on the, the podcast. How's your life? Good, very good. I'm retired now. I retired uh, a couple of years ago. So uh, I was about 30 years with Falkirk, you know, as a player, as a manager, and 20 years in the commercial. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, so they made us a lifetime ambassador, which obviously I'm really proud of. And I've got a lounge named after me, all the photographs and that. So, uh, which was great. So I was uh, I was delighted, really. And uh, But I say, it was, as a wee boy, I used to go and support Falkirk. Uh, <clears throat> I was at school, the primary school, and uh, so... To be a, a, a sort of player at Falkirk and manager and took to the cup final, obviously, was, uh, was, was a highlight without a doubt. A dream come true, eh? We'll start off in your, your early life. So you're born in February 1946. Demi as long Lone, as that? <laughs> Demi Lonehead, a few years ago. So tell us about growing up and your early memories of, of football and playing and watching football. Well, that's all we did. I mean, at Christmas time, I got a ball, uh, I got a pair of boots and a tin of dubbing. You know, and that was my, my Christmas really, and I was delighted with that because that's all you knew then. There were no computers or different things then, or golf and that. I just, uh, just played football, uh, so I was able to walk, and uh, that was that's what happened. And uh, at the, the primary school, then the high school, and when I was at the high school, I went through trials for Scottish schoolboys. So I got picked. So there were four years from Stirlingshire. It was a record for Stirlingshire. Four laddies picked for their, their country. And it was so exciting because we played England, Ireland and Wales and we beat them. We won the Victory Shield, which was fabulous, was really good. And of course, when that happened, a lot of scouts come to the door. And uh, I went down to my United, my, my parents, first time I'd been in an aeroplane. And uh, Jimmy Murphy, uh, Matt Busby's assistant, took us round Old Trafford and he said, I want you to meet someone. And this lad was kicking his ball off the wall, right foot, left It was Bobby Charlton which was tremendous, and I was only 15, I think he must have been 21 at the time, and he gave me his autograph, and I still got his autograph up the stairs, so 
Then I went to see Guns of Navarone at night and they took us to cricket on the Sunday, so they wanted to sign me. And uh, but obviously there were a few clubs, in, Arsenal was interested. I went to Birmingham and um, also Liverpool. So Shankly wanted to sign me, and they were actually in the second division, they weren't in the top league. So I went to see him, but I was so impressed with him, to be honest with you. I went and signed for Liverpool. I left school and went down to Liverpool. I was only 15. And uh, Ian St John signed in the June, and I signed in July, and Big Ronnie signed in August. I mean, I was only 15, but they were established players from Motherwell and Dundee United. And uh, but I remember St John saying that Shankland took him to his beloved Anfield, and uh, at the end of the season, he says, they're not on the grass in the pitch. Listen, son, I've actually come and playing it. No grazing it. <laughs> <laughs> difficult, difficult shanks. He was really, he was <clears throat> brilliant manager, but comical. And he was a great believer in taking young boys to, to big games. Tommy Smith and I were on the ground staff together. And uh, Tommy become a Liverpool legend. We scored a winner in the, the European Cup final. But he took us to Highbury. It was Liverpool versus Arsenal at Highbury. Nothing each minute to go. And the ball came up. Big Ron Eats was going to clear it. But Tommy Lawrence, the goalkeeper, shouted at the ball and right through his legs, right in the back of the net. Beat one nothing. So we were down quick to take the big towels out for the boys coming in. And uh, there Shanks went in Tommy. Tommy came in and he says, I'm sorry, boss. He says, I should never open my legs. Listen, Tommy, son, I don't blame you for opening my legs. I blame your mother for opening her legs. I <laughs> said, <laughs> well, a really, really funny guy. And Typical Shanks. Well, that's right. And, uh, but Shanks was great. I mean, Thing. We used to strip Anfield uh, every morning and get the bus down to Melwood, their training ground, and you could sit beside anyone, whether it was Ian Callaghan, Ian St John, Roger Hunt, World Cup player. Everybody was the same, everybody was treated the same, and that's what I enjoyed about Bill Shankly. I mean, I was there with, with Shankly and Joe Fagan, Bob Paisley, and eventually Ken Douglas, with great continuity. And um, of course, like I say, Bob Paisley took over from Shankly, was very successful. And of course, Joe Fagan took over for him, won a European Cup, you know. So the continuity was tremendous. And I learned a great deal from every one of them. And it was great. And it was a, a great club, without a doubt. And as I said, we're going places. And it was right enough what he said. It really did. I mean, they took off and it was fabulous. It was really great. And uh, not only the football, but the, the music scene. I used to go and see the Beatles at the Cavern and uh, Silla White and and uh, Jimmy Tarbuck and Freddie Starr, a swinging blue jean. So I remember somebody said years ago that the place to be early 60s was Liverpool. Mm. And it's true, not only the football team was emerging, but like I said, the music scene as well was was great. And I was part of that. Uh, the older was 15, 16, 17. It was great. And it was a great education. I was the only one. But to go away from home and learn, you know, like I said, to live, you know, yourself, if you like, and, uh, and digs. And uh, I've got two grandkids, and I think of them 15, 16. There's no way they could leave leave home, you know what I mean? So obviously it was it was a great education bringing myself up, if you like, and other boys in the digs and that. So it was, uh, but it was it was terrific. I said it was to be a, a professional footballer, because when I played with Scottish schoolboys, uh, Falker wanted to sign me, and the local firm was saying, I'll give you a job as a draftsman, and. Um, Turn pro like say twenty one, but I wanted to be a pro right away. Yeah, that was that's what was, that was my ambition to be a professional footballer, which I did, which was great. So, uh, and the guys were in Digsway were, were tremendous boys as well. They were there a year before, so they knew all the ropes, and I learned a great deal for them. But uh, it was uh, we only lived about hundred yards from the ground because obviously we didn't have cars in the particular days, you know. So although when I was 17, I went uh, through my, my driving test at Liverpool, <laughs> I took 12 lessons 
And uh, I put my Liverpool blazer on. I'm saying to myself, what if he's an Everton fan? <laughs> uh, the examiner. Anyway, I passed first time, which was, was brilliant. It was really tremendous. I was really very proud of that. And I came home and I bought my first car. I'll never forget, it was a BMS 126B. A wee small car and that. So, uh, but... Uh, it was great. It was a great education in every uh, aspect as regards Liverpool. Brilliant. Staying on Liverpool, how did you cope? At, you mentioned it, going down there at 15. Did you get homesick or did you settle into that city? No problem. No, the very first night, uh, there were four years in digs and the three lads, uh, uh, Scotch lads, were there the, the year before me. And uh, when I was taking my clothes out, uh, in my bag, tears coming down my face. I'm saying, what am I doing here? 15 years of age. But again, I settled down and they, they helped me to settle as well. And um, But initially it was quite hard and I used to write letters twice a week to my mum and dad, you know, send money home as well. And um, But I say, they helped me settle and the, the, the football club as well. The people there were great and everybody was treated the same way. And that's, that's what I learned as management, you know, try and treat everybody the same. And I say to my grandkids, try and treat people you won't treat it yourself. It's as simple as that, you know. And uh, but I say everything about it was uh, to learn about life, you know, being there, and uh, not only the football side of it, but to, to grow up. And um, but a great bunch of people that were Liverpool at that particular time. Amazing. You must look back just thinking how lucky was I. It was like the peak time with the Beatles coming through and all the music scene like you mentioned. Yeah. It must have been just like a dream. It was, without a doubt. Uh, just not only the, the, the football side of it, you know, go to Melwood, the training ground, and every day we'd have a game, like say it was the staff against the ground staff, and the staff always beat us. Shankly and Bob Paisley, Joe Fagan, uh, Ruben Bennett, they always beat us every day. And uh, But you, you learned all the time, which was great. And uh, I remember, like say, if they had a home game on the Saturday, Part and parcel of our job was to clean like, the spine cop and that. And the amount of money we used to find was incredible. Uh, and of course, at the end of the season, all you know, the first team boys, they were away. We had to stay because they paint the turnstiles and different things. And and uh, that was part of our job. We only go home uh, twice a year at the summer and like say, at Christmas. And uh, so it was, uh, but again, I say it was, uh, when I look back, you know, what an education to look after yourself and be a, be your man and, and uh, but again, it was good people, and that made all the difference. Really, you you brought up in the proper manner. Yeah, and you mentioned them, Shankly. What did you learn from Shankly? He made it so simple for everyone. He knew the game inside out. But whether you're a first team player, a young lad like myself, and the ground staff, everybody's treated the same. To play it simple uh, in in your particular position, what to do, what not to do, but balance and everything. So, uh, but again, you think of Joe Fagan being there as well, and Bob Paisley. You know, I mean, they, they were they were instrumental in the success of Liverpool as well. So you always learn from all the managers I've, I've worked under. You always take a wee bit. You know, that's good. If I become a manager, you know, I'll put that in my, my way of thinking, my way of doing, and, and that's what I've done. And um, so I was very fortunate when you think of it. And I so I went to my United too, when the, the top league, Liverpool, were in the second division. But it, it just impressed me so much, without a doubt. And that's that's the reason I went to Liverpool. What was that like being 15 year old in clubs like Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United all wanting to sign you? Well that's why it was so exciting, playing with Scottish schoolboys, obviously you, you know you, the scouts come to see you and they come in the house at that particular time and oh, it, was, it was really great, what do I do, do I go to Arsenal, do I go to like say you know Man United or Birmingham because Birmingham was a big big club then, massive club Birmingham and of course, don't get bigger than my United and that. But it just, it just Shankly impressed me so much that I wanted to work with him, work for him, if you like, you know. And uh, 
I remember one time I played in the reserve and we beat my United 5-2, 5-2 and boys like Albert Quixel, Harry Gregg was in goals and Noel Cantwell and that was tremendous and so uh, a lot of great memories and mm. to look back in and uh, but again the, the way you know you, you learn about life that's that's the thing and that was a great thing about it as well. Amazing. You talk you spoke about the cavern. What was your favourite song during that time at uh, Liverpool? She loves you, the Beatles. The Beatles. Oh, she loves you. Oh, but I went. Ah, I used to, used to go there and big queues to get in, but always made sure I was in. And and uh, at night time as well, sometimes a place called the Royal, Royal Tiger Club, and the Everton boys went there along with the Liverpool boys, Lee St John and that, and Alex Scott and um, so uh, Jimmy Gabriel and it was uh, everybody mixed really well, but great crowds and. Uh, atmosphere and that was fantastic. I, I mean, Anfield a special place. The spying cop. I mean, I, I brought a book out there, you know, from the cop to the kelpies. It's called, you know, and uh, so we just uh, the noise was unbelievable, you know. And uh, I'm a great believer in saying, well, communication is so important, you know, during the game and that. But sometimes you, you could hardly hear yourself speaking, you know, because of the noise and that. So they were so successful, you know. And of course, Shankly, he was the man. Yeah, brilliant. You were at Liverpool till 1964 and then you returned up the road to sign for, for Shankly's brother at Dundee. So well, what was the reason for leaving Liverpool? Well, the thing is, I mean, he used to say to Shankly, what's the team? Same as last year. There was great continuity about his team. You know, he could never get a chance, really. And uh, he said, if you go somewhere else, son, you'll probably get a chance to play. And that's what happened. Uh, Eddie Turnbull wanted to sign me for Aberdeen, so I went to see Eddie Aberdeen. And uh, then Bob Shankly wanted to sign me for Dundee. So I mean, and I was really, again, a Shankly, you know, just I was so impressed with him as well. And there's not many men can say they played under the two Shankleys, which was great. And uh, so I played uh, about four reserve games. And on a Wednesday night, we played Motherwell. And Ali Donaldson made his, his debut, big goalkeeper. In fact, I was best man at Big Ali's wedding. It going really well with him. Jockey Scott made a debut. We beat Motherwell 6 nothing. Then on the Saturday, we played Rangers. And the courier of the local paper has got the young and the old, the young Alec Totten and Wally Henderson, the old, like say Bobby Shearer and Alan Gulzine. And uh, there were 30,000 there that day. We beat them 4 1. Remember Jim Baxter came in and he shouted to Hammy, Alec Hamilton, who played at Scotland with him, Hammy, 50 pounds we beat you. But nobody <laughs> took him on. And uh, of course, 50 pounds is a lot of money then. But we beat them 4 1. And I think at the gate, 30,000. If Dundee get about six, 7,000 now, they're delighted. How yeah. it's all changed, you know. Football, crowd-wise and that. So, so the next Saturday went to Dundee United, beat them four-one. And I remember the paper it says uh, Dundee's merited win can be traced to that great defensive trio as Hamilton, Ryden and Totten. You know, so uh, really tough. So, so I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a good bunch of boys because I went there, as you say, about 64, 65 But of course, they, they won the league in about sixty-three. And the boys were still there, you know, in your like the big uh, Alan Gulzine and Alec Hamilton and Andy Penman and uh, Hugh Robertson, of course, who went to Dunfermline with me. And uh, so it was a good, good uh, bunch of boys, but again, good team spirit, harmony. And, and people like Shankly, you, you can't help but learn from people like that. I mean, under the two of them. And Bob was a lot quieter, but again, he knew the game inside out, you know. So once again, I was in digs at Dundee and I just came home at the weekend and but um, it was a great, again, once again, you know, you try to pick things up. You never stop learning all the time. But uh, I enjoyed it. I must admit, it was a good, good club, Dundee. Very good club. And they were the team in the Dundee era rather than Dundee United, you yeah. know. So um, I think it was Jerry Kerr was manager at uh, Dundee United at that particular time. But I say it was, uh, no, nah, it, was, it was really good. And 
Um, I say just once again, you're learning all the time. Brilliant. You mentioned uh, Bill Shankly and Bob Shankly, obviously brothers. One was quieter than the other. What was the differences? Were they quite similar in, in terms of coaching and management? Or were they totally no, they're different? very similar. But Bob was always speaking, and Bill was always speaking all the time. You couldn't really shut him up, talk, talk, talk all the time. But good to listen to because everything was uh, was was excellent. And uh, Bob was a lot quieter. But again, he was very successful because then he went to Hibs after after Dundee and um, a successful manager. And him and Jock Steen were great, great friends and. Um, but it was uh, it was an education, and as I said before, when you're going along and you're learning all the time and uh, about football, about different people, and uh, so that stayed me in good stead, you know, for uh, for later on in management. Brilliant. And then, ninth <clears throat> April, nineteen sixty-six, you get the chance to sign for Dunfermline. So, what's your memories of how all that come about? It was Wally Cunningham phoned me and said, I'd like you to come down to Dunfermline, we're interested to sign you. So Hugh Robertson left Dundee at the same time, so we both signed for, for, for Dunfermline. And uh, Dunfermline were, were, a, were a great club then as well, fantastic. And uh, Wally was good to me, I must admit. And uh, But the thing is, I was a fullback, but uh, Dunfermline had two, probably one of the best fullbacks in Scotland, was Wally Callaghan and John Lunn. So I would fill in at times and that, but I still enjoyed it and I was always involved with Wally Cunningham and uh, because uh, I remember when I was going to Dunfermline in the car, Wally would be coming to Dunfermline, he was, uh, sorry, Falkirk, he was manager of Falkirk and he would wave me down, you going to come, you going to come? I said, well, he's not going to let me go there now because we're still in Europe, uh, Dunfermline. So uh, but he always wanted me to come to Falkirk after signing for Dunfermline and that's that's what happened, but... Dunfermline uh, was 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 fantastic. I keep saying I had six senior clubs as a player. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, the happiest time was Dunfermline because they were a great club. They're always in the first four in, in the league, the top league, and a great bunch of lads. You could go out with any guy, any guys, any night and have a good time. There are no cliques. They're all for each other, really. And uh, I remember I made my European debut in Oslo, Wallet Ferguson, and uh, we won three one. Uh, and uh, Fergie, Fergie played that particular time as well but it was uh, it was great uh, I said obviously won the Scottish Cup and because uh, the earlier rounds uh, we played Aberdeen and uh, Farham says I want you to look after um, uh, Jinky Smith he's a danger man and that so I did so it was East End Park it was packed and uh, we managed to beat them 2-1 and I always remember a Daily Mail the next morning says Totten subdues Smith you know and that was gave me a lot of pleasure reading that in the paper and we won 2-1 which was great and of course we uh, the European games were, were great as well and um, I remember like say, one particular game at like, East End Park and um, we played West Brom and I was against Bobby Hope. But there again, you know, you're talking about, like, say, about 25,000 East End Park. The atmosphere was fantastic. A lot of people come from far and wide to, to come to the European Games at Dunfermline. And I was against Bobby Hope. And I'll never forget, he crossed the ball and somebody shouted, Leave it! And I kicked it right in the stand. I turned around, who was behind me? Big Jeff Astle. <laughs> I went, Oh, thank goodness I did that. <clears throat> so, but 25,000 is great. Then all of a sudden, we went down to the Hawthorns and there were big screens up at Dunfermline to show the, the, the game. And they uh, went down there and uh, we, we beat them 1 nothing, uh, which was tremendous. And I'm always going to come back in the train. I mean, the atmosphere with the boys and that was fantastic, really. To, we thought we'd lost a chance. We'd drawn nothing each at home, but one in the replay, one now was. It was great, and uh, we went to different uh, 
places to play European ties and um, Sloven Bratislava and that. So I was part, I was part of that. But it was very hard to dislodge, like say, uh, John London and like say, Wally Callaghan because they were excellent fullbacks, two great guys as well, you know. So, um, but again, I was always part and parcel of that, which was great and being part of Dunfermline and, and of course, uh, won the Scottish Cup, which was, was fantastic and beat Hearts in the final 3-1 and... Um, been part of that, come back to East End Park. I mean, all the flyovers come back to Dunfermline. It was packed. And we come to Dunfermline, the open-top bus. I thought the whole of Fife was there. It was, it was incredible. It really was. And uh, to, to win this, because that's how you go, to, to win the cup, to bring the cup back. We beat Hearts 3-1. It was great. It was... Uh, it was it was tremendous. It was uh, it was it was great. Good bunch of boys and I had a great time there. I must admit, you know, and obviously friendly, still friendly with Roy Barry and Betty Payton. Betty was my assistant at Dumbarton and also St Johnson. So we've always kept in touch, which is great. And I see them, I see them now and again, which is great. Brilliant, mate. Going back to when you signed, Hugh Robertson signed. Yes. Or was he from Dundee? What was she like as a player? He's a great player. He was. Uh, I was a football manager for 22 years, but also had wingers, you know, wide, wide men. You can't beat them really. And she was outside left for Dundee. And uh, he was a good, tricky player, quick, you know, and sharp. And uh, he's a, a great character, Hugh, as well. He's, he's brilliant. So um, I got on really well with him. And when I was at Kilmarnock, yeah, I made him scout. You know, he was he come from Delray. He had a player, I think, at a pub in Delray. So... But uh, he was a good player, who he really was, you know, he's just give him the ball and he would take men on, get the ball in, and intelligent player, uh, a character as well. Uh, he lived in Dundee uh, when he played with Dunfermline, uh, so we both signed at the same time, which was good, and it was good to go to a club where somebody you know right away, and because uh, I always remember, I just signed in that, and... Uh, I remember Harry Melrose says, I hope you're not a winger. I said, no, don't worry, I'm a fullback. <laughs> Harry was quite a character, Harry Melrose, you know. So, but, uh, but I see a good bunch of boys, like the, 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 the clubs I was with before, there were a good bunch of boys at Dunfermline, great, great, great lads. Again, you spoke about continuity at Liverpool. That Dunfermline team didn't really change over a four, five, six-year period either. Did no, it didn't, no, that's the thing. That's why, as I say, I played now and again, but it was hard to dislodge, like the boys like Wally Callaghan and, and uh, John Lund. Of course, that time, Farham uh, says, you look after Jinky Smith, so a different role for me in the middle of the park and that, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I'd play anywhere uh, to play, but uh, say, just being part of partially done firm and, uh, it was tremendous and of course after I won the Scottish Cup uh, went away to America to try to promote football uh, with Man City they had won the league and we won the Scottish Cup so it was England against Scotland sort of thing but that was a great education I mean you're talking about from New York to Los Angeles Vancouver, Toronto and Canada uh, five weeks away with it, the, the boys you go on really well with and the, to see the country I was in what was that in the 21 then and uh, so it was great. And I always remember we were in Los Angeles. I remember half a dozen of us having a drink at this bar. Next thing, all the sirens were going, the highway patrol motors. There's something far wrong here. Went back to the hotel. That was the night Bobby Kennedy was shot. In June 1968, he was killed that night. We were in, we were in Los Angeles that night. We just couldn't believe all the television. And what a, what a carry on that particular time. But uh, we were in Los Angeles that, 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 uh, that time, uh, June 19. Aye, incredible it really was I say the thing is when you're away with a bunch of lads for like say four or five weeks and that, you get to know them better and the, the, that was part of the success of them film was the team spirit the harmony that they were great they're all for each other and and the, we played Man City about five times they never beat us we, we, we drew and 
Uh, I remember one time we, we won in penalties and we had this massive big cup and George Farham says we'll never get it in the in the hamper so he bent the cup half <laughs> to get it in a bag I mean, he was a character George Farham what a man he was incredible but um, like I say it was it was good it was uh, to go and see part of the world and get paid for it I mean how lucky can you be but when you think back and um, so it was, uh, it was it was a tremendous time great experience you mentioned George Farm. Willie Cunningham signed you what were both the guys like? You played under, obviously, the two managers at your Dunfermline time. Well, well it, was, it was a great believer in letting you get on with your own particular... You know, they keep you right with certain aspects of the game, but they let you do more of your own thing. Uh, Farm was a lot stricter, without a doubt. Uh, he really was. And uh, again, I mean, it takes uh, fall, uh, to Dunfermline to the Scottish Cup final and we won. So, I mean, what, what can you say about that, you know? So he was successful in his own right. Uh, he was a character, he was, he was a character. Uh, <laughs> he was he was in many ways, but again, he was successful. So whether it was Wally Cunningham or, or George Farham, uh, to play under both of them, uh, but it was the club itself. The, the club was great, and the, the players made it. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, you can be a good manager, but at the end of the day, it's all about 11 players on the park and bringing success. A lot of the boys you speak to from that time basically say, we didn't need a manager because mm-hmm. the dressing room was so good. Correct. And the boys just ran it themselves pretty uh, much. Yeah, well, that's more or less true because obviously they, they knew the game. They were an experienced bunch of boys and they knew it was uh, required and uh, very successful. But it was a, a great time to be at Dunfermline that particular. They were always in the sort of top four in the league in the top division. So it was, uh, it was, it was tremendous. It was great and... Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, it was great. And I didn't really want to leave the bonus way, but obviously, and Wally Cunningham, Wally Cunningham fitted him to Falkirk, so. Yeah, just staying on your time at Dunfermline, there was one game I was going to focus on, and it was in 1966. And the description in the Sunday Post was it was either the greatest fight back in Celtic's long history or the greatest piece of daylight robbery ever carried out at East End Park. Yeah. You know the game I was against Celtic uh, I was against Jinky Johnson uh, that day uh, 25,000 it's a packed house and they were up 2 nothing, and it was 2 each they were up 4-2 and it was 4 each about a minute to go Bobby Murdoch shot and the ball hit Roy in the hand and big tiny Wharton was the referee and he gave a goal kick the linesman was flagging so big uh, tiny went across the linesman and gave a penalty kick and Joe McBride scored so we could beat we could beat five four. I mean nine goals in a game, twenty five thousand. I mean really unbelievable. And years later, uh, 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 the game at golf with, with Joe McBride, he said like that's the best league game we played. You know, I mean nine goals. I mean I always remember I was thirty six pound basic. I was a hundred pound to win that day. A hundred pound was a lot of money that particular time. But um, but see, I was against Jimmy Johnson. The thing I played against Wally Henderson and like say uh, Jinky. Jinky beat you, but he wanted to beat you again. Wally Henderson with his pace. Once he was past you, you never seen him again. So two different type of wingers, but again, very, very successful, both of them. But um but what a game to play in. You know, I, I talked earlier about like say the West Brom game, but twenty-five thousand, twenty-six thousand, the atmosphere. But same with Celtic. I mean the the thing is, that game 
was really instrumental in them really, if you like, going to win the, the, the European Cup because that year, that season, they won the European Cup at the end of the season. So that's the type of team we were against and yet we nearly beat them. Competing yeah, with them. Competing with them, exactly. And uh, so... Uh, it was great it was tremendous and you always want to be in the first team that, that's what you're there for sort of thing but I say I played a lot of games in which I thoroughly enjoyed the, the games I played but uh, that particular game as you mentioned uh, uh, Mikey was, was fantastic really I mean nine goals end to end and that's what the fans want to see that's why there are 25,000 there then look at some of the crowds now you know, even the East End part now, five, six thousand. But I mean, the, the thing is, the fans got their money's worth then. It was exciting football, you know, wingers, which I've always believed in. And uh, it was, I mean, nine goals, tremendous. But what a game. It was uh, just a, a special, special game. Is that the one game that stands out? I always, I would say so, without a doubt. Aye, aye. The Aberdeen game, of course, I played my part in that when they were only winning the Scottish Cup. I played my part in beating Aberdeen, but uh, that, that game and the West Brom, West Brom game, as far as I'm concerned, was the two really outstanding for me, you know, against Bobby Hope, who was an international player, and of course against Jinky Johnson, who was, was something very, very special. And um, But to be up 2 nothing, eh, then... Two each, then four two, four each, and get beat the last kick of the the game. It was it was incredible, but just to be involved in that particular game was was wonderful. Brilliant. You mentioned two names there. Who was your most difficult opponent? But well, well, I said I said before the, the two wingers like say uh, Willie Henderson and, and Jinky Johnson. But when Jinky beat you, he wanted to beat you again. Mm-hmm. Whereas like say Willie Henderson had so pacey. Once the ball was passed, you never seen him again. That was it. And yeah, say that time at Dundee, we beat them four one. So I must have done a good job that particular day to beat them. And um, I'm still friendly with Willie. I see Willie now and again, and uh, he was a wonderful player as well. Like Jinky played with Scotland and. Um, Alex Scott was a great winger with Rangers, and of course Alex went to Everton, and uh, then Wally took over. Uh, was was uh, I don't think you can beat wingers. Uh, uh, you know, it's always been I say twenty two years in management always had wingers get the ball in the box. You know, for the strikers and midfield men going the box. So, um, I good good memories. Dunfermline, brilliant. Super. What's your thoughts? On modern football now, because a lot of managers don't play with wingers anymore. Eh? It's overlapping fullbacks. Uh, over, uh, I don't believe in it really. I, I think wingers. If I was a manager again, I'd be saying to the scouts, "Not look for wingers, get me wingers." And I don't think you can beat it really. I think it's uh, a successful way to play. Um, but uh, I say just that the modern game now and. Uh, always somebody says that Alf Ramsey was the first man to do away with wingers and somebody says no not at all he says be Bobby Shearer that played with Rangers he'd done away with wingers long before that <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but no I, I, I don't think you can beat it in my estimation anyway you know so if I was a manager again I'd be saying to the, the scouts and that look for wingers look for wide men and um, I, th- I think it just it's, it's so successful it's entertaining for the yeah, fans. It, eh? uh, They're paying their money. They want to watch that kind of football, don't they? Well, if you look at, like, say, even England at the moment, you talk about Man City, you talk about Arsenal, talk about Liverpool, they've got wingers, and they wide men, you know, and so you talk about maybe the three best managers at the moment in England, and they've proved to, like, say, that to, to get wingers to take men on, and uh, it's successful. And uh, you play the game to be successful and to make it easy for, like, say, midfield men or strikers to get in the box. And that's what they want, you know, is, is uh, good balance about the side, but good good wingers. Yeah, brilliant, mate. So March 1969, your last game, you play against Clyde. Were you looking to leave the club by this point? Were you frustrated not playing? Well, exactly. I said before, that the two... In fact, I remember someone saying that... Uh, 
The Liverpool offer 30,000 for John Lunn and uh, well, obviously Dunfermline uh, turned it down. Um, but uh, I was frustrated because like everybody, I just want to play, don't you? And that's that's what you're there for. And sorry, of being the bench or you know, like saying the reserves and that. But you want to play in the first team, and that's where the atmosphere is. And you're playing with better players and that. So I just got frustrated and. I said to George Farham, so he let me go. And of course, I knew Wally, Wally Cunningham wanted to sign me. So uh, I went to Falkirk then. And of course, I played with Fergie at Dunfermline. When I went to Falkirk, I played with Fergie again. You know, f- three years I played with Fergie. So, um, but Wally, Wally was good to me and uh, I was going really well with him. I remember I went to the new stadium at Falkirk and asked Wally to come and see it and that. And, and uh, I always remember his wife says, I was fond of you, Alec. You know, I says, well, I was fond of him. He was, I going really well with Wally. I always did, you know. And he uh, was shooting his funeral. Uh, I remember that and talked to his wife that day and uh, had a good rapport, good relationship with him, you know. So um, I enjoyed uh, working for him with both clubs, really Falkirk and Dunfermline, you know. Brilliant, Alex. Before we speak about going to Falkirk, uh, just on reflection for your time at Dunfermline, so you played 43 games in total during your time. Um, who was the best player at the club, would you say? It's very difficult to say because, I mean, football, I mean, they've all got their part to play. You get Roy Barry, who Roy was, was hard as nails, a, a brilliant defender. But when Roy won the boys, he'd take it off me because he knew his distribution wasn't the greatest, you know. And, but you get Alec Edwards taking men on, was, was brilliant, and Bertie Payton scoring goals and that, you know. I think it's hard to define like, say, one particular guy who was the best in that because... You know, if you're a golfer, you're up to yourself, it's up to you, oh, he's a good golfer and that. Whereas the football, and they're loving guys in the park, and they've all got their, 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 their uh, park to play uh, from that point of view, you know. So, um, now I, would, I wouldn't like to mention one player because I said uh, Bertie done really well and always very friendly with Bertie, scored goals, and Hugh Robertson likes Alec Edwards and um, even Fergie when he was there. Because I always remember when down to... Um, Comarnock in the Scottish Cup and uh, I was against uh, Tom McLean and Fergie got two goals but they came back and they drew two each so anyway we got him back at East End Park and Fergie was famous of course for scoring goals inside the 18 yard box and uh, but that particular night uh, again a brilliant crowd and Fergie scored about a 24 yarder 25 yarder right in the top corner against Bobby Ferguson who was a commander and goalkeeper and we beat him one nothing. so we beat him one nothing in the replay which was great but, uh, so, but again I was Tom McLean Tom McLean was a good player as well for for, uh, for, for Dunfermline no for, for sorry Comanac and Rangers of course But yeah. so that was a great game enjoyed that but unlike Fergie about a 20-25 yard right in the top corner but we beat them one nothing, which was great so. his goal scoring record Dunfermline is phenomenal eh? it is I, I think uh, it was 95 goals in 130 games I know it was it great was I, he was always there thereabouts and um, of course, that's the reason Rangers, when we always at uh, Dunfermline, they paid 60000 for them, we went to Ibrox. And, uh, so it was, because uh, we used to have this minibus and we travelled every day, uh, Dunfermline let it along the side of it. So Jim McLean, the centre half, he, he, he drove it and he picked Fergie up and he picked me up and he picked George Peebles up and, and John Colgannon at like Kilmarnock. And uh, so it was good fun, I mean, a good bunch of boys and... Uh, so, so <laughs> I remember I remember this bit, stories you can tell I remember this time this boy Paul Breslin he signed from uh, Queen's Park and uh, Fergie was um, at the L place as a four Corsair 
So Fergus learned me driving that. So we used to go to the Regal Restaurant every day for, uh, for, for lunch after training, and Fergus learned me drive. So big joke, uh, the policeman, he put his hand up and he put his foot in the accelerator. The car went through Graffin's window. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, they took some stick about that fair game, you know. And I say years later, we're at all Humber Theatre in Dunfermline, but uh, maybe ten or twelve was there, and Fergie was in the stage and that, and so maybe probably the best manager in, in Britain, maybe the world, you know. But a, a learner driver, oh no, you know, Paul Bradley right through Graffin's window. <laughs> I forget that but, um, but I used to phone Fergie I see, he used to get him in the morning half past seven that, uh, early when he was a manager and he used to get a Christmas card for him and Cathy and so I uh, always kept in touch sort of thing and um, well, I'll talk earlier I'll talk later about them uh, but St Johnson when he brought my United up you know so Tremendous, tremendous. So you leave Dunfermline in 1969 and you joined the, the team you supported as a laddie. Aye. Two seasons at Falkirk, so what, what was that like? It was good, I enjoyed it. Um, I say, well, he signed me, so uh, to go to uh, a team you supported as a wee boy, which was great, it was uh, something I really enjoyed. And I remember one particular game, we played Queen of the South and we're down 3 nothing the first 10 minutes and Johnny Graham, striker, scored four goals. We ended up beating them 7-5. Uh, what a game that was, you know, I mean, gee, it, was, it was tremendous, it brought both so, so I enjoyed it, and of course, Jordan Muller was here as well, it was a great dress room with Fergie, Jordan Muller, and um, Alex Scott come as well, so, um, it was good, I enjoyed it, I must admit, so, but, I'll be quite honest, I felt I was a better manager than a player, as a player, <laughs> that was my, that's my own estimation, you know, so, but I enjoyed my time, I say, with Falker, it was good, it was a good bunch of lads, and um, managed to score a few goals there, so, um, aye, it, was, it was good Brilliant you, When you left Falkirk You went to Queen of the South For a bit And then Alloa And that's when you start Moving into the coaching That's so right Did you always want to Move into coaching I did Well there was a boy Called Hugh Wilson Who was a manager at Alloa And he made me the coach And um, so I just had a hanker To be like say Coaching or manager And that So so what happened then Alloa was the worst team In Scotland There were 38 clubs in Scotland Alloa was the worst There were 38th and um, I always mean big Dan McAlinden, who was the man that Dan signed me, and Frank Connor. And they uh, said, oh, Alla will always be Alla. You know, so I'm going to prove different. And uh, so I took over as manager. I got 11 free transfer players who worked away. And uh, the next season, we got promotion, which was tremendous. I remember I went to, up to Forfa, and we beat Forfa. They were a really good side then. Big Stuart Kendi was in goal. I like Ray and... But uh, Ian Smith got the only goal, and we got promotion uh, with Alaba, which was fantastic, really, you know. So it was, it was great, and so I enjoyed it there. I was there for about, know, about five or six years or something, I really enjoyed it. So uh, I was enjoying it, and then all of a sudden, Falkirk come. Alaba were sixth in, in the first division, and Falkirk were bottom. So I took a chance, but I just felt. You know, there were more potential at Falkirk going back to the club who were supported. And so they were bottom of the league. Uh, and I signed uh, Peter Houston. Uh, I signed Peter from Albion Rovers. Because I always remember Eddie Moffat was the chairman. Malcolm Allen was the vice chairman. I said, what's that going to cost? I said, £10,000. He says, uh, right. He says, we'll give you the money ourselves, you know. So I signed Peter. In his first game, he scored two great goals. And that was him. Ended up with Ginger God. And of course, I signed Kevin McAllister who was a tremendous signing for me from Camlin Juniors. And we played Leeds United pre-season. It was against Eddie Gray, who played with Scotland. He destroyed them. Oh, my goodness. Frankie Gray was the manager. And um, 
Eddie Gray was the manager and after the game he said, I'd have put him up in the air. I said, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have got him. He was, he was, he was, he was tremendous. He was great. So, uh, so I went in there in November um, 82 and I left in November 83 and we're sitting, um, we're sitting second top. And the reason I went to, I left is because I went to Glasgow Rangers. Uh, I got a phone call uh, on Friday morning. Uh, Jock Wallace here, son, I want you to come to Rangers, my assistant. I'm going to Aberdeen tomorrow. He says, um, if you keep it quiet, I'll phone you Monday. So on the Saturday, we played Clyde at Brockwell and Craigie Brown was manager of Clyde. And the, the chairman says, can I see a minute? I'm saying, how did he say no? But he didn't. He says, listen, that's the mother of chairman going on the phone. He says, uh, I want to speak to you. I said, well, it's only manners. I'll go and speak to them. So I went through the Coatbridge Hotel on the Monday night. And says, Alec, we want you here as manager. We want to offer you a five-year contract. With so many managers here between Joke Wallace leaving, Davey Hay, Roger Hind, Ali McLeod, Dean St. John, want continuity. They want you a five-year contract. It was a brilliant contract. And uh, I phoned him on the Wednesday, thanked him most sincerely. And I turned it down. You probably know why in the next few days. So to beat Rangers for four o'clock on the Friday, I went in there and the commissioner says, Mr. Wallace is waiting at the top of the marble staircase. So I met Big Jock. He says, come on, greet you, see you, son. You're now a Ranger. Come on, meet the directors, Wally Waddle, Ray Simpson, boys like that, which was fantastic. It was great. And the Saturday played Dundee United. And Big Jock says, come on, the twos are walking out. And I was a bit shy sort of thing. Big Jock with a hand up in the air and a fist up in the air and walking behind him. And they met the boys for the first time, David Cooper and um, yeah, Big Peter McCloy and Bobby Russell, all the boys, Alan McCoy, you know, so. We are Flow Digital Pharmacy, and we are proud to sponsor the Walking Down the Holbeath Road podcast. Our easy-to-use app is a convenient way to access your NHS prescription medication, and our team of trained pharmacists are helping thousands of people to access the support and medication they need. If you're registered with a GP who's based in England, you can use the Flow app to securely and conveniently send them NHS medication requests and arrange delivery to a location of your choice at a time that suits you. This means you can avoid the hassle of contacting your GP and making unnecessary round trips to eventually collect your prescription. Find out more at WeAreFlow, spelled P-H-L-O, that's WeAreFlow.com. And that was it. So that was Meet Rangers and... um... I remember then Tom McLean, he left Morton, went to Motherwell. You know, he got the job as Motherwell, very successfully was Tommy at Motherwell, you know, so, but, um, but I have no regrets at all. Is I could have went to Motherwell as my own man, but I wanted, uh, I mean, to go to Rangers was, was, was tremendous. I mean, I was only part-time at Falkirk, that's, that's the thing, you know, so, um, but to be there, it was, it was great. And I remember the first training session, Big Joke said, you take it. And uh, you've got Jimmy Nicol, who's ex-Dunfermline boy as well, like, say, you know, and uh, Robert Pritz and John McClellan, David Cooper, you know, like night and day, really, you know, I mean, great respect to Falker boys, we're all part-time, but they were they were full-time and uh, international players, it was great. And, and I always remember we beat Celtic in the cup final, 3-2, Ali McCoy's got a hat-trick and uh, we went away a world tour then, went away to Australia, New Zealand, America and Canada. Uh, which was wonderful, you know, again, seeing part of the world and uh, obviously the amount of Rangers fans abroad was, was incredible, you know, it really was. But uh, uh, although a few mishaps right enough, I remember uh, Bobby Williamson broke his leg, uh, Colin McAdam broke his leg. I remember Colin came back with the chairman uh, and, and the aeroplane and he says, again, my, my, my leg was terrible because he had a, a splint on his head and it began to swell, you know, and 
but it was, it was again it was you're working with international players and uh, again you see part of the world like that and the next season we beat then the United 1-0 in the League Cup final uh, Ian Ferguson the blonde boy the striker he got the only goal so a couple of winners medals and that was great but I always remember Big Jock says Alex says uh, when I step up general manager you take over as team manager he says you're at Liverpool with Shankly and Bob Paisley Joe Fagan Ken Dalglish great continuity I want the same here my dad's dead now, but he says, uh, had my dad in his office, says, your son will be new manager of Rangers when I step up and general manager. So that was the idea. And, uh, but I uh, say it was, uh, it was tremendous being with a club like that. Every day was a big day. The media was always there, with television, the radio, what have you like, you know. So, um, you learned a lot. Le- learned a lot. Oh, I learned a big joke as well. It was brilliant. Aye, so, and uh, he was a, a character. I remember we used to go to away games like Dens Park or Aberdeen and uh, he would say to Sam the bus driver, right Sam, get the tape on, open the window. Oh, he was, fall off. <laughs> and all the fans were going berserk, like daft and that kind. The big joke says, if they cut me, it'd be blue blood coming out. It wouldn't be red, you know. And he was a, a Rangers man through and through. But I got on really well with him. I really did. And um, it, was, it was great with me and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But, um, but then Sunus come, of course, you know, and uh, in the Monday he says, Alec, they're bringing Sunus. So fair enough. So anyway, that was it. Was that so a David, David, blow for you? Eh? Was that a massive blow for you? you well, well, well it was really, but at the end of the day, you know, so it's all about results sort of thing. So anyway, David Holmes, the chairman, he said, I want you to come up and meet Graham Soonis up in the Blue Room. So it was only Soonis by David Holmes myself. And this is Alec Totten, they kind of turned away sort of thing. I thought it was a bit ignorant really, to be honest with you, you know. But anyway, that's, that's who he was at that particular time. And down you come and uh, so Alex says, if you introduced all the players to Graham and that, which I did, and uh, so that was it. Then uh, so uh, he went back to Sampdoria. Then of course Watty Smith. I knew Watty. I knew Watty well because uh, we went holiday one time. His kids are the same as my kids, and uh, he's a lovely guy. I got a Christmas card for him every year. Him and Ethel, you know. So I'm going really well with Watty, and and uh, so he come. And uh, that was us. So there was uh, he had a clean out soon as obviously uh, Stan Anderson took the young kids. He was away. John Haggart took the reserves. He was away. Myself, of course, big joke and that. So he wanted to bring his own people. That's it. Fair enough. Because when I left that Monday, I knocked soon as his door. I left a wee note on what his desk, wishing him all the best. And I knocked soon as his door. I said, "Listen, I didn't say him." I said, "When I went to Falkirk, I took my own man and that." I said, "So I feel understand. I wish you all the best." And that was it. So. Um, so I left Rangers and um, so that was the end of, a, end of an era for me What was it like going from being your own man as a manager to then being a number two? Well the thing is you've got to change you know so um, because obviously Big Joke was a man he was a big bad wolf you like for his dad trying to cuddle the players and make sure everything was okay and you know what the big man's looking for so completely different you know as, as a man you're your own man you're the decision maker but um, but he confined in me a lot, big joke, which was great, you know. So um, I remember one time um, he says, "We're well, going to do this and watch Liverpool." Um, so when we were doing there, and uh, but you learn a lot listening to him. You know, he was good as well. He knew the game, and um, he was a fitness fanatic. You know, and we used to go to Gullen Sands before. Uh, uh, pre-season and uh, the boys hated that you know but it was Murder Hill it was called 
but uh, they were always very, very fit. That was one thing. I remember Sandy Jadden saying that when Big Jock was the Rangers the first time, they were very fit and then used to throw me in the water and up to Business Hotel, then back up to Ibrooks, you know. For uh, So that was it. But it was, it was good, though. It was a, a great education. You see, they keep saying you're learning all the time, which was, was, was good. And I always remember when I was manager of St Johnson, Big Jock come to see me. And he says, I knew you were a good manager, which is great. So that, that, and that pleased me no end for him saying that, you know. I mean, he took me there and and uh, so so for that point of view, it was good. And, uh, and I took St. Johnson across to Spain and uh, I met him and I went to his house and everything and that. And I was going really, really great with him. I really did. But it was uh, being at another club and learning again, never stopped learning, which, which was good. So and he had his own way of doing things, which was, was, was tremendous. Brilliant, Alex. Well, you leave Rangers 1986, you have a season at Dumbarton uh-huh. before moving to St. Johnson. So what was it like going back into being a manager again with Dumbarton? Well, the thing is, I, I got my old job back. See, full-time, full-time I was part sorry, football I was full-time and part-time. And uh, when I was part-time, I was an area sales manager. Goodyear was a parent company. So in 1979, um, I came in first regard sales in Great Britain. I was the best area salesman in Great Britain. So I won a Caribbean cruise, my wife, which is great, and everything was paid for, which is wonderful. So, of course, when I went to Rangers, I gave the job up, you know, and I uh, went full-time at Rangers. I left Rangers, I got my old job back again, you know, did that, you know. So I was doing a, a good year over Hampton at a course, and uh, Alec Wright phoned me. He was the chief executive of Dumbarton. He said, Alec, when are you back up? I said, I'm up next weekend. I'd like to see you. So I met him and he says, uh, how do you fancy being manager of Dumbarton? I said, that'd be great, get me back in the game again. So I did. So I went to Dumbarton. Uh, Sir Hugh Fraser was the chairman and uh, Oni Coyle was there. Oni was only 16. Uh, lovely. All the Coyles were there. There were Tommy, who was signed for St. Johnson and Joe and of course Oni. And Oni was always wanting to play. When am I playing? When am I playing? He's only 16. He was at me all the time. But... Um, I'll never forget. We trained, we're only part-time, played the, I trained on a Tuesday, Thursday, and we're on the track, and Sir Hugh Fraser was the chairman. He says, Alec, I want the boys up just now, we're getting near Christmas. So all the boys are going, oh, great hamper, whiskey. He says, uh, <laughs> turkey, up the stairs. He went, Merry Christmas, and walked out the door. <laughs> well, the boys are all disappointed, never got a bean, you know. So, but, but it was great, and I really enjoyed Dumbarton. I was there for one year, exactly. And they were good to me. But the only problem was we could never get a crowd. They're all going across to the Erskine Bridge to Parkhead and Ibrox, you know. You got your maybe, say, 500, six, seven, sometimes a 1,000, you know. So anyway, Sir Hugh come and he says, Alex, says, the chairman of St. Johnson want to speak to you. So I met Jeff Brown and Alec Campbell at, at Cumbernauld and I took the St. Johnson job. Uh, so I said to myself, well, I can't get a crowd at Dumbarton, but I'll have Perth to myself, St. Johnson. So, uh, so I took the job. That was it. I think they were, they were languishing low in the last division uh, and going nowhere, the old Muirton. And, and, uh, so anyway, I went there and um, I signed a few players and, uh, and that season we got promotion, which, which was great, really, when you think uh, they were really struggling. I had a, a game... Uh, a, a friendly game and I freed 11 players I freed 11 players and I got my own players and started from scratch because obviously the boys were there they weren't, weren't doing well so I had to do something so I brought uh, new players in and uh, like Tommy Cole for example from uh, from Dumbarton and and uh, it was uh, they'd done really really well for me I got by Grody Grant uh, from Cowdenbeath it was a great success at St Johnson you know and Paul Cherry uh, 
and uh, Stevie Maskery, which was brilliant. Stevie was brilliant for me. So anyway, we got promotion, uh, which, which was was great. It was smashing, but the last game was at Muirton, was uh, against the United. Alan McLeod was man the United, and of course after the game, they threw myself and the chairman, and Big Derek Johnson was with the uh, uh, Clyde, and they threw us in the bath. You know, in the very last game at Muirton, and so that was it because it was funny bits really to be honest with you. And uh, because that was part and parcel of going as well, the chairman said we're possibly a new stadium, and it came off McDermott Park, which was great. So, um, so the next season, uh, we went to the, the played in the cup, and uh, it was really very exciting. And uh, so anyway, we we managed to to to, to do really well in that and. Uh, semi-final we played Rangers in the semi-final of course against my old pal Mr Sunis and that so I said no chance we were only part time so went to Parkhead it was quite a game with a couple of great chances but we drew nothing each we played really well St Johnson part time team playing against Rangers the millionaires you know uh, Big Butcher and boys like that and uh, Richard Goff and uh, we drew nothing each and there were about 10,000 uh, St Johnson fans, fans there that day and uh, it was brilliant, absolutely tremendous. The players were so successful, they were great. But I remember after the game, that um, they said, Alex, see when you're doing the interview, just watch. He says, because there'd been a disaster at Hillsborough today. That was that particular day when they did Hillsborough, you know, so Liverpool. And um, so, but but it was uh, St. Johnson done well, of course. The replay on the Tuesday with almost no chance because we're part-time team, you know, to play two games in a few days, you know. So anyway, they managed to beat us uh, 4-0. Uh, Mark Waters was brilliant. And uh, but I say, when you think, uh, we made about £100,000 for St Johnson, you know, with the, the replay and it was a great cup run. And of course, there would, would beat Morton in earlier, in earlier rounds as well at Mewton. And so uh, I, it, was, uh, it was an exciting time. It was great, so... Uh, it's made a, a few a few bob for the, the uh, St Johnson, which was tremendous. Brilliant! Like you say, it was an exciting time for St Johnson moving to the new stadium. Aye. Two promotions in three seasons, getting to I the know. Premier League. Aye. And your number two was Bert Payton. Aye. You played with Duffield. Aye. How important was Bert? Very, very important. Bert is a great guy. I mean, he's a great player, and I uh, took him to Dumbarton with me, and of course uh, I took him to St Johnson. Right hand man, and uh, he knew the game well, and he was well well respected with the players and. Um, he, he was he was tremendous really, and uh, he was instrumental in St Johnson doing very well and Dumbarton, of course, you know. So you'd never forget that. But uh, but it was great. But I mean, for St Johnson being languishing the lower division to go from the, there uh, to the Premier League within three seasons, I mean, it was incredible. Really, it just shows you how hard work. Because I remember the fans initially at the meeting say, "Totten, you're going to get us promotion." I said, "I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a hundred percent in everything I do." I can't even promise promotion, but we did, and we got it, and it was it was great. I mean, to to get uh, promotion and uh, you know the back to the Premier League, you know, and of course I was manager a year, you know, I mean even above the Rangers and Celtic managers, and um, David Cooper was player of the year. He was at Motherwell at the time, so it was the Grosvenor in Glasgow, and uh, uh, I was so proud. And I remember I stood up, and uh, Jeff Brown was sitting next to Billy McNeil. So it wasn't for Jeff Brown to be no St Johnson because he paid money to save St Johnson. And I said, I'm sure if Mr Shankly's looking down today, he'd be quite proud of me, uh, being manager of the year, you know. So it, it was great. It was a great time at St Johnson that particular time. And um, I remember um, 
We signed big Sergei Thatcher, big Russian player. What a player he was. So the three's in the boardroom, the chairman, big Sergei and I, and uh, so half an hour negotiating a, a signing on fee, half an hour negotiating like say wages. And he says, one more thing, I want more thing. I want a car. So I'm looking at the chairman, he's looking at me, it's a problem Mercedes, I'd like a ladder. Say, money would you like, Sergey? <laughs> he's driving <laughs> he's driving a personal ladder. So he was uh, uh, but he was a great player. He was brilliant. Uh, him and Big John Ingalls, two centre halves of were great. And of course uh, I signed with Alan Moore uh, from Hearts. I, I signed I left I, I signed them for them Barton I went to Hearts and I got 75,000 and I paid the same money to get him to St Johnson and he was instrumental in every every aspect of the success I had he was great he was brilliant being Murray six years with me at St Johnson you know and I still keep in touch uh, some boy yeah. oh brilliant of course he was at, uh, he was at uh, Dunfermline as well character oh big character just chirpy chirpy all the time talking all the time but great and and of course, Paul Wright was a great signing for me. Um, Paul was at Hibs and I paid uh, 300000 for him, uh, for St. Johnson. And I took him to Kilmarnock, same uh, same uh, thing again, same price again, you know, and it was good. But uh, St. Johnson was great, great bunch of lads and team spirit, harmony. But to go for the second division to Premier in three seasons, fantastic really, and it was really good. But they all played their part and I signed Harry Curran uh, from Dundee United. 50,000, scored a lot of goals in midfield and and uh, Big Roddy Gunn, of course, played his part too, and uh, he was great. And we Maskery, we Murray, and exciting team again. The wingers again, you know. Uh, used to get crowds of, like they say, seven, eight thousand at St Johnson. Then it was it was wonderful. A new stadium, and and of course I phoned Alec Ferguson. Um, I said, Ferguson, we'll be coming up and opening a new stadium. No problem, Alex. So come up with Sir Mark Busby, Bobby Charlton, and his whole first team. Uh, Brian McClare got only goal. The Beaters won nothing, and uh, but it was great. So, uh, but when I was there, it was a lady called uh, Big Aggie. Was a big character, you know, and she retired. So she's only called with Manchester and Johnson. She said, "Want you come up? And we're going to have lunch and everything." I'm going really well. I used to see her quite a bit, really, you know. So there was another lady there when Fergie was there, and after we played that night, Fergie stopped the bus. All the all the superstars in the bus, he's in talking to the lady who was the tail lady at that particular time, you know. And so it just shows you Fergie right down to earth. It was it was great for that point of view, you know. So, but, but great great memories of St Johnston. It was it was tremendous. And I remember one day in particular, we beat Aberdeen five 0 five Alex Smith was manager of Aberdeen, and I remember. Uh, Rod Thingman, the television guy, says, uh, St. Johnson 5, Aberdeen 0, I will repeat. St. Johnson 5, Aberdeen 0, you know, which was... Uh, which Some was scalp at that time. So Aberdeen was still strong at that point, wasn't they? Aye, aye, was I. I meant to say earlier on, we talked about, like I said, I was at Falkers manager, and a boy called Martin Sisman uh, come to see me. He says, Alex, how are you doing? Fine, I'll be blurry. How do you fancy coming to Dunfermline? I says, well, I'm really quite happy at Falkirk. I support him as a wee boy, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, he came back on the Friday again. He said, Alex, says, you know, you're a player with them firm and you're popular there. You know, who become his manager? I said, but you've got a manager, Tam Forsyth. No, he's leaving on Monday. I mean, so I knew before Tam was leaving. I went to the coaching course in Largs. Tam was my roommate and I knew he was leaving on Monday and asked me to, to go. And uh, so, obviously, I, I, I didn't go. And uh, when I think back to Alloa as well, I think the Orman, Molly Orman wanted me to go to Hearts. Can I come through and see me, Alex? OK, because Berry was at Hearts and Berry left. And uh, so I went through to see him and uh, he said, let you come as my assistant. And I says, uh, what, a contract? No, no, no. I said, I've got a contract. I said, but that's no safeguard than me. I have a good job. I said, and, 
I'm not going to come, so I didn't go. So I didn't take the Hearts job. So I could have been at Hearts straight enough, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I could have been in Dunfermline as well, you know, like say, as manager. And yeah. uh, I remember uh, they come for me again. Uh, who, who was it? The, vi- the vice chairman. I think it was uh, an old Blair Morgan. Blair Morgan was the vice chairman. Ah, that's right. Uh, I met him at a Norton House Hotel in, in Edinburgh and he says, uh, Alec, room, room 200, Mr Smith, room 200. And it was uh, Blair Morgan and the, the chairman, who was the chairman? Mel Rennie? Mel, no, it wasn't Mel Roy Rennie. Woodrow. No, uh, who was it? Woodrow. Woodrow, Woodrow. Woodrow, that was it. Says Alex, says, uh, we'd like you to come as manager and that, you know. He says, because Jokish Scottish just left, you know, and about contract. No, no, I can't give you a contract because they took us for a lot of money. I said, I don't get a contract, I'm not coming, so I didn't come. Then all of a sudden, I, 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 so I could have been done Dunfermline twice, you know what I mean? So, as manager, and uh, which I probably thoroughly enjoyed, but I said, I was, I was, asked, I was asked twice to, to become back in the Dunfermline, you know, so from that point of view. But um, it's amazing, football, eh? you think back to certain things that happened. And, but you see, the Ellison Johnson it was great for me, and I done a real turn for them, you know, to the second division, the Premier in three seasons, it was great. and a uh, good bunch of lads again and that's what it's all about you know it's the right team spirit and harmony and I've always tried to instil that into the players I've had uh, from that point of view you know so yeah come 92 you leave St Johnson how what was the story behind you leaving ah well just uh, <laughs> chairman with one defeat in eight games we played Hearts on the Saturday drew one each and uh, he came in and uh, I always remember Big Aggie says uh, the tea lady says oh he says listen uh, Gaffer he says uh, Elaine's expecting there's a big girl in the office oh great shifty bit that's great you know then Jeff Brown came in signing and I said something far wrong with him he said I just feel he says uh, we need a change we need a change I said we're lying seventh in the Premier League we're, we're uh, one defeat in eight games and so anyway, um, he wanted a change. So I said to Jim Peacock, the physio, I says, go and get my stuff, a black bag. What for? I says, uh, see the photographs, I'm taking them down. I've just been sacked. Nah, you're kidding. Oh, I've just been sacked. So I'm going to get the boys in the dress room. So the boys are in the dress room and um, I went through. I says, listen, boys, you've done a brilliant job for me. Tremendous. I can't praise you high enough. I says, but the chairman just sacked us. What? So I go through to my room. Next thing, who's through? But Alan Moore, I says, Nandy Rhodes. Like the goalkeeper likes say Mark Trainer and everything says I bet that was that big so and so McClelland you know and unknown to me he was going behind my back first time ever happened to me and my sister going behind my back so anyway um, I came home that day and Chick Young was at the front door with the BBC all the papers and everything my phone never stopped for about three days uh, I got about 400 letters from people all over Scotland which was quite incredible really and Stuart Cosgrove, he said, I'm going to have a dinner for you in Perth. Didn't even have one for Wally Orman. I've got one for you. And the amount of gifts I got for the St. Johnson people was, uh, was, was tremendous. It was great. I just couldn't thank them enough, really. And uh, so that was it. It was uh, a big surprise. And the amount of people I spoke to, I can't believe it, Alec. Because remember, um, Craigie Brown uh, and Andy Roxburgh in Scotland, we're going to Aberdeen cell, we're going to have lunch with McDermott Park, so they come up with lunch and everything, and because I played with Andy Roxburgh at Falkirk and that as well. He says, You're here for life, what a job you've done here at St Johnson, oh, what a job. That was it, but you're never there for life, and it's so precarious football, you just never know what chairmen are thinking, and that was it. And uh, I remember there about six people on the board, uh, the board meeting every month, and Davy Sidey was on the board. And this was at quarter past nine, I got the sack. Half past ten, my phone, it was Davy Sided. I'm like, I've just heard your sack. But you're a director. He didn't know. 
directors didn't know, he didn't off his own back. So that was it. He made his, his decision. I mean, he's the man at Perth. He's, he's the man that put the money in. He's still the man, if you like, you know. So anyway, that was it. And uh, so I left. But I was obviously, I was so, so disappointed. And um, so, but at uh, the end of the day, it's, it's football. But anyway, I got phone calls then and they wanted me to go and work with the BBC radio. Which is great. I really enjoyed it. Going to all the games and doing studying, like on the Friday night, who we're going to see. It was at the, the cup final. It was Morrow versus Dundee United at Hamden, and it was great. Then, then all of a sudden, I got a phone call for these five uh, chairman Baxter. He says, "I like, listen, I've been talking to Craigie Brown. He says, go and phone. I like, maybe interested to come back in management." So. I met him through in the Lower Largo, through Fife, and um, he said, why don't you come as manager? So I went there to his Fife as manager, and uh, so that's what happened, and I got these five job, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, But I always remember I went there, this big brown bag, three balls and old balls, could not believe it. So right away I got 24 new balls, you know, so got a ball each, and uh, just the things I've learned from previous, previous uh, 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 clubs. And it's about standards, really. Ah, uh, yeah. exactly. That's all about standards at the end of the day, and and that's what, that's what I did. And uh, I knew a, a, a guy from Perth who was a great St. Johnson fan, and uh, he's a rich man. He's, I said, Ken, what I'd love, I'd love to get the boys at uh, East Five new blazer and flannels. So I got them, you know, about 20 new blazer and flannels. He paid for that, which was great. And the boys were, I always like the boys being smart, you know, and uh, collar and tie and everything, and that. So that's what happened, really. Then, uh, then. Uh, I got them promotion uh, and uh, and uh, I got a phone call for Alec Cameron uh, for the, the, the Daily Record. He says, Alec, he says, uh, that's um, uh, Kilmarnock. He says, they're wanting you as a new manager. Tommy Burns is going to thing, we're going to Celtic. He says, they want you. So I says, well, it's a Premier League and that. So as long as uh, he, he says, get compensated, you know, I'm quite happy to go sort of thing. So... Uh, Baxter negotiated with the chairman and uh, that was it so I went to Newton Mairns that's where Mr Payton's house was directors uh, like say Comarnock so I got the job on the Monday and the boys had flew on the Monday to Dublin because Tommy Burns uh, had organised games in Ireland so I went across on Tuesday new manager Comarnock and I'll never forget um, uh, we kicked off we're playing Sligo kicked off and uh, Bobby Wilson kicking off with George McCluskey and the fans said Totten he says the honeymoon's over <laughs> <laughs> brilliant so uh, that was it and uh, it was great so I was at Comarlock and they, they built three new stands which was great I phoned Ken Douglas he brought Blackburn up they just had won the league so I was very friendly with Big Gordon Sherry I sent him a, a telegram big golfer you know when I was at uh, St Andrews and become great friends so and they played the Masters but anyway I said, what we'll do is we'll get Blackburn to line up and come on up. We'll get Gordon to walk out. There's about maybe, say, 16,000, 17,000 there. And Gordon says, I've just played the Open at St Andrews. i played like the Master. That's the biggest thrill in my life, walking out there in front of my club. He said, in front of my mum and dad. He says, and so proud. It was great. So that was it. And uh, they all lined up. Alan Shearer, the whole lot. And it was it was great. So that was it. And, but I enjoyed Kilmarnock. It was good. And uh, I thought we were doing well. And uh, but again, there are always changes, and uh, three new three new directors came in, and the vote was three two against me. Ronnie Hamilton was the chairman; he wanted me to stay. So did Mr. Payton, but three, the vote was three two, and that was it. So, anyway, um, what was the expectations at Colmarnock at that time in the Premier League? Just to stay up. They stay as they stay up, aye, aye, because they, they they kind of struggled before, you know. So, but. Um, uh, 
so but anyway, uh, that was it. So I uh, had it before, sacked, so I just got to go on with it. And um, so I just uh, got the sack there. Next thing, I got a phone call uh, for Falkirk, um, George Fulton. So he says, can I see Falkirk? And I said, ah, no problem. When you see him, he says, uh, he said, I'll let you become manager. Uh, so I could have sacked the previous manager and uh, so anyway, I got the job on the Saturday, there were no game on the Saturday. So when he see Stirling Albany Airdrie, so I just went to uh, uh, Stirling's ground, next to George Pete says, Alec, can I see him? And he says, how do you fancy being manager Airdrie? I says, but you've got a manager, Alec MacDonald. He says, no, he's getting your job at Comarnock. I says, <laughs> so uh, I says, is that right? I said, no, I've just got the Falker job. I says, so obviously I'm delighted to go to Falker again, you know, and that was it. And Alec didn't get the job. And they, I think they offered it to Big Hatley as well, and he turned it down or whatever. And uh, Bobby Wilson got it. And, uh, Bobby, I recommended Bobby to Rangers, and it was my assistant at Kilmarnock. When I left that day, it was a hard bit of stuff. I mean, they come for Easter House and that. The tears coming down here when I, I left Kilmarnock, you know. But he got the job, and uh, and that was it. So Bobby got the job because they beat Aberdeen that day. And uh, again, it was you know, any compensation, just stepped him up, reserve team coach, the, the manager. So lo and behold, of course, I go to Falkirk and, uh, of course, the cup final, you know. Yeah, so you uh, I, I mean, it was a great run, really, when you think it. I mean, we, we beat Berwick doing it after a replay. And, of course, we beat Tom Fairman, who were in the Premier League, Mole Club, uh, beat Ray Throwers in the Premier League. And, of course, I'll never forget the draw was made, Heather the Weather. So it was Dundee United in Kilmarnock and uh, Celtic in Falkirk. And uh, so anyway, she's drawn it. It says uh, Falkirk versus Celtic. I went, oh my goodness, you know, it's going to be a tough game, you know that. So anyway, uh, it was, uh, the, the, the queues for tickets and everything was unbelievable. It was fantastic. But, uh, I don't know, 20,000 Falkirk fans there. And and uh, so it was, uh, but it was, it was incredible. So anyway, we played Celtic and um, on the... On the Saturday, uh, I think there were 50,000 there. And uh, of course, Celtic were red hot favourites. Uh, the Canio, the, the Andreas Tom, or Chickadet, you know, they're a good side, really good side. And uh, of course, uh, nothing each at half time. And in the second half, uh, they scored. The boy Johnson, who just had signed, he scored up, down one, nothing. So I had the big boy, Kevin James, six foot seven. I put Kevin up front, and nothing to lose, you know. And James McGowan, the right back with the ball, crossed it, and big Kevin bulleted in with a header. Uh, one each in the Falkirk fans are going berserk, you know, one each, unbelievable. And uh, they gave us great praise, obviously, like saying the and the and the thing with the the, the, the the cup. And the replay, uh, we played them and uh, I mean Jim McGrown crossed the ball, David Hagen put it in the uh, in the box and Paul McGrillan headed it over the keeper's head, one nothing in nineteen minutes. So you can imagine the hang on. The Cano was brilliant that day, but again, too greedy. You know, he wanted to beat a player, beat a player, beat a player, you know. And uh, oh, I mean, Wally Young was the referee. And it was a 96 minute, you know. Come on, Wally, you'll need to blow the whistle. Eventually, he blew, and we beat them 1 0. And the first time being a cup final for 40 years, Falkirk. And I was at the first one, 1957. I was only a wee boy, but I went to all the games in 57. But that was their first time for 40 years. and it was fantastic, you know. We came back to Falkirk on the team bus, and there a place called the Roman Bar at Camlin. It must be fifty six. They stopped the bus. Come on, Alec, need to bring the boys in for a drink. So we're waiting for a drink, and I left there at six o'clock in the morning. We kept him still there with his mum and his wife and everything. <laughs> he said, "Gaffer, we're playing Morton Saturday. Don't pick me." <laughs> and uh, 
So that was it. And of course, the cup final was, uh, was I mean, the whole Falkirk was uh, was buzzing. It was just unbelievable, you know, for tickets and that. So uh, it was uh, it was great. So I played more club of course, Kilmarnock. And the thing is, when you walk out in a cup final, it's you and the enemy. Bad sign seven of the Kilmarnock players. <clears throat> the other four were there when I went there. Bobby hadn't signed a player, Bobby Williamson, you know. I'd signed them all. And uh, you're walking out and they're going, aye, Alec, aye, Alec, you know, it's strange. And and uh, in the atmosphere, uh, because what happened was, uh, I was thinking we were in the Falkirk Tart and the kilt. And uh, I took me Kevin in my office, Kevin Max, oh, Gaffer, he says that the, the fans would love it. So anyway, Jock Brown was a commentator. I said to Jock, so I'll give you a good mention, Alec, coming out of the tunnel, Alec Totten resplendent in the Falkirk Tartan. And uh, still a bit apprehensive, and uh, we went to a hotel in Falkirk, and the uh, big Andy says, Gaffer, you're looking a million dollars with a kilt on, so great. So I walked out there, and really proud sort of thing, you know, taking your team out at uh, a cup final, uh, which was great. It was a, a brilliant day, brilliant occasion. And uh, lo and behold, who got the only goal was Paul Wright, who I'd signed, of course, you know. So And the final whistle went... They came right across to me and, and put his arm around about to give us a, a cuddle, you know, so I didn't even go to Bobby. And uh, and that next season, it was Commander versus Celtic and a pro fairly Paul Wright. He's everyone knew that was Alec Totten's team, you know, so mm-hmm. I suppose it was, but at the end of the day, it was, uh, Bobby was the manager. But uh, we came back to Falkirk, open top bus, and there were thousands there. Oh my goodness, you know, it made me the Dunfermline when we won the cup, you know, it was, it was great, it brought back memories and that, so, and obviously I was very proud of us, but the thing is, you go to a final for one thing, one thing only, to win, to win, and we didn't. So, and the thing is, we scored a goal, and I still to this day think it was a good goal. Neil Oliver scored a goal, and Coyce to see it in television, he, was, he says it's a, it's a good goal. But Sandy Roy, the linesman, put his flag up, you know, he put his flag up, you know, offside. And to this day, I still feel if VAR had been there, then that goal would have stood, you know. So because the last sort of, Bobby took his two strikers off, and uh, the last sort of uh, 10, 15 minutes off, Falkirk, you know, after uh, attack after attack, you know. So, so obviously, it was a very proud day. But at the end of the day, we didn't win the cup. But the good thing is, all the fans stayed. Normally, MCs, you know, stayed and they gave Kilmarnock, you know, a good ovation and that, a clap and that. I remember one paper on the Monday that says, one winner, no losers. It was a family cup final, you know, which yeah. it was. So, for that point of view, it was great. And um, But at the end of the day, it was uh, it'd been great to, to lift the cup first time for 40 years, bring back to... Falkirk, you know, so since then we've been that's been another twice with, with Peter Houston, of course, and, and John Hughes, and we could have won again, you know, just when you think of it, but it just all in the day sort of thing. But, uh, but I've got to say that's a highlight of my career walking your team out in a cup final and uh, first manager to wear a kilt. So I was really, really very proud of that. So it was, it was good from that point of view. Didn't you inspire the Scotland team who done it a year later at the World Cup? Ah, well, that? that's right, uh, because my son went to France and he had a kilt on, you know, so. He, he went there and uh, so uh, but I remember uh, Queen of South went to the cup final and Roy and Alexander wore a kilt and uh, but I was the first manager to wear a kilt and I was really really proud of that but it was uh, it was a, a tremendous build up you know I mean to, to beat the teams uh, our team Dunfermline and and Ray Rovers and Celtic over two games in Glasgow my god you know it was it was incredible but um, but it was it was a, a tremendous uh, tremendous particular time in the Falkirk Falkirk history if you like you know.
Brilliant. So you were at Falkirk till 2002. <clears throat> so 22 years in management. 2001-2002 uh, was your last season as a manager. Uh -huh. What was the reason for, for giving it up? Or did you not want to give it up? I just, no, I did. I wanted to give up. I just felt like it was, it was a long time in management, you know, and I just felt like they needed some fresh, something different really, you know. So Campbell uh, Christie was the, the chairman. So I uh, had, had a board meeting and <clears throat> I says I'm going to finish, you know. I feel I've done my bit, and you know. So, uh, so, so, so. Anyway, he met me the next day. He says, "Hope it's staying on." I like he says, and can you're so well known in the area and that, you know. And so that's what I did, you know. So director of football for a wee while, and uh, and in the commercial. So for twenty years, you know, I done the commercial, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Used to have two dinners a year. Uh, with golf day always sold out, dinner sold out, so made a lot of money for Falkirk. The, the sponsorship, the advertising, I enjoyed that because obviously I knew everybody in the Falkirk area and everybody was really good to me and good to the club, so uh, which was, was great for, for that point of view and uh, I enjoyed it. So I retired a few year, a couple of years ago, um, but I said before, I still go and watch Falkirk, uh, more or less uh, the home games now, not so much the away games. I mean, I've been <laughs> going to football since I was 15 years of age, about 60 years, you know, every Saturday, miss weddings and everything. Whereas now, um, I'm quite happy to go and watch the team and hopefully this season we'll get promotion. Uh, played them Fairman, obviously, in the in the championship. Hopefully that will happen anyway. So, but, it's, uh, but I've no complaints. I've had a great career, not just like saying in, in playing, but in management, and which I've thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, some guys I managed for a year. I was there for twenty two years, so I couldn't complain. And the amount of countries I've seen with, with, with different different places. And one wee story I'll say is uh, the Rangers have played Inter Milan. And uh, so Jerry McNee come with us. So Jerry McNee, uh, the journalist, and that's so when we across there and watching. Uh, so before the game, Jerry's interviewing Beckenbauer, who the, the, the German manager, uh, Liam Brady, the player, went to Milan. He went to a restaurant and there was Jerry joking me, four of us, and the agent said, Jerry, you come with me. And who was in the corner but Carlos Hein Rummenigger? He says, Alec, I've got a month's work in one day, Beckenbauer, Liam Brady and Rummenigger. You know, fantastic. And uh, when you think of that, so, and again, big jokes, he's going you across, have a look at myself. So I flew to Milan and uh, they were playing the Turin and Torino, so I got in the train. And so, from that point of view, I've seen a lot of the world, you know, because of football and who I've met, and especially who I've met, the people I've met and that. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been, been, been a great life for me. Tremendous, tremendous. Just a few questions to wrap up about being in management. What was your approach? To management, <clears throat> did you have a consistent formation, same training, or did you mix it up? Or? You mix the training up, you know, but I wanted the boys to enjoy it first and foremost, to say, look forward to coming training, you know, go and enjoy it, that's what it's all about. But again, I've always played attacking football all the time, you know, there's no question about it. Ask any player that played under me, it was always attacking football, two wingers, you know, and you, you can't beat that really. And it's, uh, I think it's successful as well. It's been successful for me, the way I've played, you know. I never played defensive football. If people go pay money, good money, to watch a team winning, you know, to be entertained, and that's what I've always believed in. Totally agree. Brilliant. What were you like after a defeat? Were you the type of guy that would take that home with you and no. silent treatment? And no. Obviously, I didn't take defeat very well, as you probably know. But um, when I come home, my wife never went to games. My wife's been at two cup finals, that's all. So it's no case of, oh, she's at the game. And like, so he said this, he said that. I never got that. So I could close my front door and that was it. But of course... 
you never forget, you're always thinking about it, you know, journalist's phone or a scout's phone about this player, that player, you know, so you never get away from it really uh, when you're in management and so for that point of view, but I say I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant. If you were a manager today and you had unlimited funds, what one player would you sign for your club that plays today? Messi. <laughs> Messi. Aye. Different class. Who's the best player you managed throughout your career? It's very hard to say, to be honest with you. you know, I signed a, a lot of good players, I feel. You know, it was good. I mean, you talk about Alan Moore, who was at the... Uh, Moore was a great signing for me. Because uh, he was at Dumbarton and I sold him my heart and uh, I'll need to get him to St. Johnson. We're only part-time and uh, he come, but uh, he just lit the whole place up. I uh, scored goals and made goals at St. Johnson and... and um, is, uh, it was tremendous for me with Murray. It really was. It was brilliant. But so was Peter Houston and, of course, Paul Wright and the big Boltaccia. You know, you could go on and on. Certain players all played different positions, you know, but uh, they helped uh, me to be a success, you know, the, the way they played the game and uh, for that point of view. So, that's uh, uh, a lot of good lads as well. And always believed in that team spirit, harmony, any bad, bad... Uh, get them out the door you know what I mean they're no good to you they're good to the club you know they've got to be it's a team game I say I love the golf I, lo I love the golf but I depend on me it's an individual game whereas uh, the football it's all about um, it's all about uh, the whole team and that's the most important thing you know, all together Who's the one player you tried to sign but it didn't quite happen that you maybe think that's the one that got away is there any names that stand out? <clears throat> Adoni Coyle as a, as, a, as a player at Dumbarton, he was only 16 and um, I signed his brother Tommy for 10,000 for St Johnson. Tommy's a good player for me. But when he says, eh, Gaffer, he says, eh, I have a chance of going to Clyde Bank. Do you think I should go? If I go, what will I ask for? I said, I think you should go because uh, the Steedmans says, if you do well, they'll sell you. And uh, so I told them what to ask for. And the next morning I picked up a paper, Oni Coyle away to Clyde Bank for 22,500 it was, you know, so... And the uh, next thing is away to Airdrie for about 170,000. Now, I could have took Oni, or I should have took Oni to, to St. Johnson, but it was only 16, 17, you know what I mean? So that was one player I would say really stands out, you know, that uh, um, I, I should have signed really, to be honest, because irrespective of where he went, he scored goals. Everywhere he went, he scored goals, you know, so, um, and a good lad as well. And I tried to sign him twice uh, for Kilmarnock. I mean, he was at Bolton, I mean, don't you see Bruce Freer? and uh, try to sign him, but um, obviously I looked for too much money and I couldn't afford them, so I, 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 I signed him, but I should have signed him initially, certainly. Nice one, good player. What's your thoughts on football management today? I, I think it's all changed now. Uh, I think uh, the players, uh, they have a lot of say, you know, and if I'm, if I've got a player, for example, at Chelsea and he's in £200,000 a week, he's no playing, you know, is he really trying? Does he really make a difference because like say you know he's got his money anyway you know whereas like say when I played in that you had to get one to get a bonus to, to make good money for your mortgage and so on you know Jim McLean and Dundee United of course are a great uh, he had a low basic but a great incentive to win so you get your, your money for your mortgage and like say for your family and that and uh, it's all changed the game uh, I think I struggle to be a manager now to be honest with you, you know so because I would say that I ruled the roost as a manager I was a boss I made sure I was a boss, whereas now I think a lot of players, you know, the other guys, it's sort of because of the money, especially in England, the money they've got, you know, that um, I think it's it's hard for a manager and it's very difficult. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, 
I still love football and I love watching it and I still go and watch it and um, so it's, it's still a great game Brilliant and last question how would you sum up your career in football? I would sum up really is that I've thoroughly enjoyed it I enjoyed it as a player with the clubs I've been with with the people I've been with and, 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 and as a player uh, which was great and I said earlier uh, the most enjoyable time as a player was at uh, Dunfermline the most enjoyable time as a manager was at St Johnson, you know, from second to the premise in three seasons. Without a doubt, that was great. But uh, all in all, I've had a great career as a player and as a manager, and I've no regrets whatsoever. Maybe one regret is that I'd love to make a crack at England. You know, quite a few guys went to England from Scotland. I never phoned Fergus, say, what, put, put a word in for me? I maybe got a job in England. I never did that, and maybe I regret that, you know. So uh, I enjoyed my spell in, in Scotland, without a doubt, but... I'd, I'd, I'd like to uh, give England a go and I may have been successful you never know never know well Alex it's been great catching up and hopefully see East End Park soon I'm going there next Saturday Mikey thank you very much thanks for coming good man thanks for your time appreciate it thank you thank you for listening remember to subscribe to this podcast which is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple iTunes Spotify and Google as always, thank you to our guest on this episode of Walking Down the Holbeath Road. This podcast was produced by Jan Mokkiewicz and music supplied by Stuart Dusty Miller. We look forward to speaking to another former pa in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.